This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Friday, February 19th, 2021. On this day in 1983, three men who had entered Seattle's underground Wami Club under the auspices of gambling revealed their guns, took the room hostage, and robbed the joint blind. By morning, nearly everyone was dead. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of robbery, assault, intimidation, guns, and murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the Wami Club Massacre, a multiple homicide motivated by greed. It's one of the most infamous crimes in Seattle. Let's go back to the Wami Club on February 19, 1983, right after midnight. The Wami Club had always been a crime scene, but never like this. For over 60 years, illegal money flew around clinking mahjong tiles. Hundreds of thousands were won on Pai Gao. In the Roaring Twenties, the speakeasy served baijo and rice wine. By the 80s, police were bribed to turn a blind eye. The Chinese immigrants to Seattle had a safe lounge, their very own Beautiful China, as the club's name translated to. The Wami offered higher stakes than anywhere in the Pacific Northwest, attracting clientele who either had money to burn or desperately needed it. Quan Fai Willie Mock was among the latter. As employee Wai Chin dealt Willie into Mahjong and Pai Gao, he assumed the 22-year-old gangster had money to lose. Earlier that week, Willie had gambled over $100,000 at his table. Willie was good business, even ordering food and drinks for himself and his friend, Tony Ng. He needed a take big enough to pay off his debts. As he chatted with Wai Chin, he kept his eye on the door, waiting for someone, his high school friend, Benjamin Ng. Like Willie, he was a returning customer, and like Willie, he had dark plans for the evening. The moment he entered, Benjamin pulled out his gun and shouted, Hands up! Willie and Tony then whipped out their own guns, revealing the alliance. Benjamin and Tony collected the money in the room while Willie moved to the club's upper level. Then Tony and Benjamin took thick nylon ropes Benjamin brought in and started tying up the gamblers they'd just robbed. Benjamin and Tony secured each patron's hands and feet, threatening them, leaving them trembling face down on the floor. Even Wai Chin, the Pai Gao dealer, was robbed. Wai Chin implored them to loosen his ropes. He was just an old man. He'd struggle to get up on his own, much less hurt anyone. 
Tony conceded, making sure the old man kept his word and stayed on the floor. Suddenly, someone was at the door. Benjamin and Tony threatened the hostages to be quiet. Willie kept his gun aimed at the security guard, motioning for him to let them in. The new patrons couldn't see inside. There was frosted glass at the entrance, a hallway and another turn into the lounge. The guard opened the door. The patrons showed ID, strolled in, and were quickly tackled, bound with rope, and trapped on the floor. With every gambler captive, they went for the security guard, three on one. The guard submitted and took his place among the other hostages on the floor. Willie and Benjamin sent Tony out to guard the door. Then they shot 30 rounds at the 14 hostages. Willie aimed for the heads. There'd be no survivors. After all, he'd used his real name all night. He couldn't leave any witnesses. The gunshots went off like firecrackers. As Wai Chin the dealer tried to look up, Willie shot him in the jaw. With everyone in the Wami dead, Willie, Benjamin, and Tony took their bag of cash and fled the scene. No one would visit the club until the next night, so they had a day to take care of business, pay off their debts, and leave the city. They closed the doors on the Wami. Moments later, Wai Chin started wriggling the ropes off his feet. The slick nylon was wet with blood, and within minutes, he struggled free. He stumbled through pools of blood, piles of Pai Gao dominoes and mahjong tiles out to the alley. He had to get to the police, report the crime. Perhaps other lives could be saved. After all, he knew exactly who tried to kill him. Up next, why Chin seeks justice. Listeners, I am thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for ParCast. It's the four-year anniversary of another fantastic podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, there's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam, David Berkowitz and the co-ed killer Edmund Kemper to Eileen Wardos, Ed Gein, and coming soon, the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on couples who kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Early in the morning of February 19th, 1983, Pai Gao dealer Wai Chin escaped a massacre. He'd been robbed, tied up, shot at, and witnessed the murder of over a dozen patrons at Seattle's Wami Club. A bullet struck his jaw and passed through his throat. He was weak, bleeding, but determined to find justice. As he stumbled along the alley outside the club, a local spotted him and called the police. Though he couldn't speak, Wai Chin managed to direct the police to the bloody scene inside of the Wami Club. They found 12 dead bodies and another at death's door. The victims included married couple Mu Min Mar and Jean Mar, Dewey Mar, Win Bill Wong, Gim Loon Wong, Chong Chin, Henning Chin, and Hung Fat Ji. The one victim still breathing was rushed to the hospital, but died soon after. Wai Chin, the sole survivor, identified two of the killers, Willie Mack and Benjamin Ng. Within hours, the police had the pair in custody. Their ensuing trials were painful for the victims' families. Thirteen lives were lost to pay off one man's debt. Willie Mack was only 20, but he had a long history of gambling. The year before the massacre, his debts reached around $30,000, which would be worth nearly $80,000 now. He knew the Wami Club had the highest stakes in Seattle, which meant the most cash on hand. And he knew that as a Chinese immigrant, he could get in. The hard part was finding accomplices. While his high school friend Benjamin Ng was a petty criminal eager for a payout, most of the gangsters he approached turned him down. It was too risky, especially if Willie planned to kill all the witnesses. But while Willie was in debt himself, there was one man who owed him, Tony Ng. Tony had no relation to Benjamin. He was a reserved 27-year-old who worked quietly in his family's restaurant. He owed Willie Mack around $1,000. Willie told Tony he'd forgive the debt if he helped with the robbery. He didn't tell Tony he planned to murder all the witnesses until after Tony had already committed. A few days before the massacre, Tony actually tried to back out, offering Willie money he borrowed from his girlfriend to repay the debt. But Willie wouldn't take it, threatening to kill his girlfriend and family if Tony didn't keep to his word. After the crime on February 19, 1983, Tony ran to his mother, confessing his guilt. She advised him to flee the country. As the police and media focused on Willie and Benjamin, Tony successfully went underground. But after the trial, where Willie and Benjamin received life sentences, Tony became one of the FBI's 10 most wanted. It took two years of searching, but they finally tracked Tony down in Canada, arrested him, and brought him to the States to be tried. He was found guilty of robbery and assault. 
but since he was on door duty during the massacre, he wasn't found guilty of murder. He was given 30 years to life. After 28 years as a model prisoner, Tony was paroled and promptly deported to Hong Kong. Not long after the massacre, the Wami Club was padlocked. In 2013, it burned down in a mysterious Christmas Eve fire, bloodstains and mahjong tiles never to be seen again. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Maggie Admire, with writing assistance by Aaron Lan, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 